Welcome to you, Manny. I'm Brian Hurst. This evening we're focusing on investments. And I do have special guests watching tonight. My grandchildren are up here from the Cape, Cole of Seven and Connor and Five. I know they're allowed to stay up tonight because there's no school. So, boys, I welcome you. I hope you learn a lot about our program tonight. One continues to read that the U.S. stock market is well overpriced and steamy. We've been hearing this for some time now. The bull market, at least in the U.S., is said to be the most unloved bull market, despite it now being the third best ever. In fact, there have been net sales of equity unit trusts in the U.S. since the bottom of the market in March 2009. And joining me to make some sense of it, or if you can, <laughs> is Paul Hansen, Director of Retail Investing. Stanley, Paul, lovely to have you on the show with me. Thanks, Paul, my first question is, What's your view and what is actually happening? Yeah, we talk about an unloved bull market. Yeah. Eight or nine, we, we, are we into the ninth year yet? Sure, unbelievable. 2009, so eight and a half years. Eight and a half years. And can you believe it? More money's come out of equity unit trusts in the mighty US than has gone in because people keep on seeing in the rearview mirror this crash that happened in 2008-9 recurring. The, the emotional, the pain was so strong that people are terrified and keep on seeing it happening again you know always talking about all these uncertainties and we've never had quantitative easing before and how are we going to get out of it it's just non-stop non-stop negativity so people have been terrified and sold out Paul we talk about the black swans we talk about the events that we don't expect last year we spoke about Brexit and then later in the year we spoke about Trump winning the elections we spoke about now we're seeing this whole uh, commotion with North Korea and the, the, the impact and the statements made by America, and yet this doesn't seem to have any impact on the market. So they, they say when there's bad news and it doesn't react, affect the market and the market continues to move up, that is the signs of a bull market. But is it a mature bull market? Is this bull market going to land in the disasters that everyone is expecting? Well, eventually it will have its crash. Eventually, uh, when the US um, interest rates get too high, when the U.S. Fed actually engineers a recession because it's worried about rising inflation, that's what actually usually happens, is the inflation, you know, there's too much demand, chasing too few goods and services, so inflation starts picking up and the U.S. starts throwing higher interest rates one after the other, and eventually it engineers a recession and down everything comes again. So it will happen, but at the moment there's no sign of it. Paul, and last week we saw the, the, Fed, the American USA Fed Reserve talk about one more rate hike this year. That had an impact on the dollar. That dollar then had an impact on our rand. And we're now seeing our rand trading around about 1360, somewhere around there. Yeah. I mean, we've spoken a long time about the, and you've been quite bullish. You thought our rand could see some more recovery at, in, when it was below the 13. Uh, have you changed your views at all? Well, it's kind of been broadly going sideways since about January, you know, 13, 60, 12, 80, up and down. And it's possible it's building a base for a, a bit of a weakening, bit of weakening. You never know for sure. You know, the, the, the emerging market currencies were very strong. Now, they've also kind of faded a little bit as the dollar suddenly recovered a bit against the euro. Never really know. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one to call. And Paul, are you st how, do you how do you feel about emerging markets and us being part of that basket? Well, they're up about 27% in dollars this year. They had a slight downward move in September, whereas the developed markets were up a bit. But I think the, uh, the emerging markets, are, you know, have been driven by the Chinese market, which is 29% uh, of the index, and that's up close to 40% this year. 
and you know earnings are very strong in China, uh, and this has been driving the emerging market index. But it's not the only one; it's just it's the best of the big ones. But Paul, we we're not seeing that. I mean, we talk about indexes hitting a new high. But, I mean, there's a real distortion in that index. I mean, you've got a few heavyweights. Yeah. And then not only that, I mean, you've seen some of the big companies really take an absolute high. Yeah. So although we've got an index high, many people haven't benefited because they're not certainly, I don't expect it to be exposed to those type of few stocks yeah. to the extent that it plays in our index. Yeah, there's no question our market has been uh, a bit of a sad case in the last, you know, 12 months or so because... Well, actually, two to three years, really. Bec- uh, only driven by certain big shares like Naspers and Richemont, one or two others lately, Billiton, Anglos. But a heck of a lot of shares have gone down quite sharply, badly, because of the poor economy, the recession, and earnings struggling on the back of that, and all the political worries. And the fact that the, the Reserve Bank didn't have the guts to lower the interest rates last week. Well, I, th- I think it was a big mistake. Yeah, I've got an email about that, so, so we'll do that. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. You're watching New Money. My guest this evening is Paul Hanson. We're talking investments. You can call me after the break on 011-280-5350. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to Money this evening. We're discussing investments. My guest, Paul Anson. If you'd like to call me, 011-280-5350. You can also email us on brian8 at bhca.co.za. Got an email from Vera in Durban. She says, please explain how one picks an in- offshore investment to create long-term wealth. Well, Paul, first let's talk about the case for being offshore. I mean, there's, there's no reason why that shouldn't continue. I mean, the fact that we talk about RAND depreciation, I don't think that's the main factor. I mean, over a 10-year period, because of inflation rates and the differential inflation, differential in GDP, forget the politics and the fact that we're in the emerging market, the RAND is likely to weaken just from those two factors. Case still strong for being invested offshore? Yeah, but m- most important, the diversification, the fact that you can access so many different types of in- of companies and shares and industries there that we just don't have here, you know, whether it's biotechnology or whatever. So there's just such a choice there. And Paul, I mean, you know, the, our caller says, how do you create long-term wealth? I mean, the only way you create long-term wor- wealth is actually to take on some risk. I mean, I always use the word growth, T-R-O-W-T. I say, you want to grow your capital, you've got to r- create some risk. You wa- you've got to have time. The last second last letter is the word T, letter T. The last letter is hold. You've got to hold. You've got to through hold to create wealth. And what they always say to me, what does the O stand for? And I always put, you know, the little figures and little I's in the O because that's you creating wealth long term offshore. You've got to take on some risk, which means you've got to be looking at equities and, and, and probably uh, some of the, the REITs that have, that have been smacked, particularly in the UK, Paul. How do you feel about those? I mean, with Brexit on the horizon and... I mean, one day we hear good things about Brexit, the next day bad things, and we've seen the pound again strengthen and then weaken. Yeah, it's quite hard to, to assess how it's going to affect the property shares in the UK. Uh, look, the pound suddenly jumped a bit. I think the pound, wow, it might have gone up 8 or 9% against the rand last month. So, and recovered against the dollar. 
because no one we've no one's ever been through this Brexit type of thing, so no one's quite sure exactly how it's going to play out. How many people will leave London and go to Frankfurt or something like that? How many you know how many vacancies will be left in the buildings? It's a hard one to call. Uh, so, you know, you're taking on a bit extra risk by going there, but maybe it's worth it. Maybe the the values are there. I mean, if you're talking a 10-year time horizon, you've got to be looking. I mean, the properties are standing, they're well built. I mean, those property centres, if I look at this company like Capital Counties, Capco, when you think about the investment in um, Earl's Court and uh, and Covent Gardens, I mean, those are superb areas. I mean, yeah. over a long period of time, if you think of how everything's expanding out of London. But, you, you know, 10 years, equities and property, you've got to be, I mean, you, you can't be in cash. No. Only temporarily. Yeah. Um, email in Adele in Sanson says, why has South African business confidence improved in the last quarter? What has happened in our economy to give this additional confidence? I think that's a statistic that came out that showed a slight improvement. And she's right. What has actually happened in our economy? I know agriculture has been a lot better. And with prices picking up, we've had a little bit more, a little bit more gain in, in, the, in the mining sector. But certainly manufacturing is still in the doldrum. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it might have been just bouncing, bouncing off a very deep bottom. That's all because that's the only thing that can explain it. We're coming off a very low point, so any little, any little uptick, you know, might look quite good, but it's coming off a very low point. So I think that's all that's happened. You know, we, 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 there's nothing much apart from agriculture and a bit of mining, as you say, uh, and services are quite good. The service industry, you know, financials and other telef- telephone, uh, cell phones, and so on, are still quite good. But uh, manufacturing on the whole, not good. So there's n- n- no real reason. I mean, you know, I mean, we, no. are, we are at a very low level of, of you know, uh, we, we saw until uh, this last quarter, two quarters of negative return and t- technically a recession. Yep. We now seem to be out of it. But maybe that's created a bit of, you know, created yeah, those bouncing off the bottom, but, yeah. but, but, but very low growth, very low. Email from Pete in Boxburg. He says, I hear the word FANG, F-A-A-N-G, stocks. What does the refer to it? And is this a different index? I mean, that's really the technology FANG. Uh, what Facebook, Am- A- Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and uh, the FANG Google. G. Google. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not an index at all, is it? It's just, it's just stocks. Well, they, I think they might have thrown the four of them in, into an index. Just to have a look at how. I mean, if you want, I mean, if you if you think about the, if you think about what's happened in the last twenty years, in e-commerce and technology and everything to do with that and robotics, you've got to be saying to yourself, over the next ten to fifteen years, it, it's going to be so much more movement there, so many more people doing those type of things. So, I mean, you know, I, I, and you know, if you don't have enough money and you want to go into a technology index, is that the type of index you could go into? I'm well, not I'm sure if there's such shares. an index of those four five. No, there might not be. The, it, it might have been created just to see how it's doing, you know, but not something you can invest in, just to, for interest sake. So, you know, IT, IT is the best performing sector on the, uh, in the US this year. I think it's up 19%, whereas the S&P 500 is up 12%. And IT represents about 21% of the index. It's the biggest sector in the index. Whereas you look at oil shares, they're down 9% this year. So, so far, it's certainly been... Where the action is, I think the healthcare is number two. That's about plus seventeen or eighteen percent, not far behind. But those two are way ahead. I mean, if you think about Warren Buffett's comments towards the end of the nineties and the early two thousands, he said, "I'm not going to invest in anything that I don't understand." <laughs> yeah. And yes, and we did have that run up in the technology, and then we had the crash and the whole bubble burst. 
but I mean, he's now invested. I mean, I think he's one of the biggest uh, in, in, um, holders in Apple or Amazon. We're one of those stocks. One of them. I'm, I'm just we admire Amazon a lot. He yeah. didn't get in, yeah. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, it's certainly an area that I would th- be encouraging people to think about. Sure. If you can't buy the stocks themselves, then start looking at, uh, at, at a type of technology index. I mean, yeah. I don't think you can go and wrong. biotechnology. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong. Yeah. Uh, email from Stuart in Plettenberg. He says, what do we think of Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> I've been dreading this question because I ha- I've had this question a few times asked me. I, t- I haven't got a clue what Bitcoin is. I've read everything that there is to read on it, and I still don't understand it. I don't understand who backs it. So I'm going to make the comment. I'm not an investor in Bitcoin, but I will tell you what happened. Uh, I had breakfast with a, a friend of mine about 10 weeks ago, and he told me his son had put 2,000 pounds into Bitcoin a few years ago and it was now worth 400,000 pounds. I said to him, sell. Just sell. Tell your son to sell. Anyway, I saw him about two weeks later and he says, you know, you were so right. It's only worth 300,000. <laughs> then I saw him last week and he says, guess what it's worth? I said, 200. He said, 500. Oh my so, I mean, I don't, do you understand this Bitcoin? I'm just saying, you've got to be very careful because everyone's talking about it. And can you throw any more light on Bitcoin, Paul? Yeah, look, I mean, it's, uh, it's, I think it's becoming so obviously so popular around the world, and I think, it's, I think it is here to stay, because as, they, as, as it is said, the only way you're going to close down Bitcoin is if you close down the internet, you turn the internet off, and that's not going to happen. So it's here to stay, along with other cryptocurrencies that are gaining. So, uh, I, I, of course, it's high risk. But it looks like it's going to go places. But you've got to be careful because it's had that enormous run. Yeah. I mean, if you have a look at a graph, the graph is like, I mean, for two or three, four years, 2010 to 2014, it was flat. And then all of a sudden, a lot t- taken off. I mean, Someone inter- went to UCT and, and uh, gave a talk and asked the audience of students, how many of you have owned Bitcoin? And something like three quarters of the hands went up. And then he said, and how many of you own an, another one, another cryptocurrency? And almost all the hands stayed up. So the youngsters are going for this big time. Well, they, and, I mean, and you've just given a story of a youngster. Yeah. And when we think about it, when we first, when the internet first came out and everyone looked at Google and Facebook, I mean, they were absolutely amazed. But we're going to take a break. You're watching New Money. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly. Welcome back to New Man this evening. We are focusing on the investment world. If you want to call me, you can. 011-280-5350. Email from Hilton Janney says, what will the impact be on markets and currencies within the different leadership possibilities at the ANC conference in December? We have no idea. No, Paul. no one can answer that question. Usually, as in the US, the, the, the economy dictates economy and company earnings dictates how the stock market goes. So, for example, no matter what Trump does within reason, the the economy continues, the stock market continues. And, in fact, it's gone up all year despite Trump with all these tweets and making a bit of a mess of things here and there. So, in the end, it is your economy and your company earnings and your interest rates and your inflation and so on all combined that dictate play. It It only causes trouble with politics if it really starts to impinge on on the economy and on you know on what's happening there if it starts to hold it back and 
cause trouble, create hurdles. And Paul, I mean, let's think about. It. I mean, the rating agencies. I mean, I mean, they must be watching to see this 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 leadership play out, because I mean, you talk about the economy correctly. So, but ultimately, there's also got to be a bit of a concern who takes on the role. And I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. You know, we we know, we know that there are two candidates at this point in time who've thrown their hat into the ring. And it'll be interesting to see if you know what happens between the two of them, whoever gets in, and and where that takes it. But they, they I mean, if if they satisfied with the future leadership of South Africa of the ANC party, that could create a little bit of confidence, and there could be surely that could have an in, a slight impact on the rent. Yeah, because there's been so much worry about it. And the economy's been lacking in direction. So if they manage to sort that out and get some direction going and show some cohesion and get this economy moving, do things to get the economy moving, absolutely. Big well, plus. Well, we, we've got a few more emails on the line. I'm just waiting for them to come up. We've got an email from Carol Ann in Cape Town. She says, are global assets priced too high at the moment? No, I don't think so. I think they, they re- they're reasonably priced. They uh, arguably still undervalued. Uh, s- shares anyway, because you have a wonderful uh, uh, situation right now where your economies are growing very nicely. All the big economies are growing extremely nicely. In fact, there was a good number that came out from China today and the US, which was the manufacturing leading indicator, was very strong in China and in the US today. And your inflation remains very low. Your interest rates, therefore, remain very low. Even if inflation picks up a little bit, it's still coming pretty low. And uh, you have jobs being created in the U.S. It's now an all-time record high, 83 consecutive months that jobs have been created in the U.S. And decent numbers, 200,000, 150, 200, 250,000 per month. So it's, 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 it's actually a wonderful concoction, if you want to call it that, for markets, for shares, for companies. Company earnings are growing very nicely. If the U.S. does cut taxes, it will cause a 10% jump in company earnings if they cut as they're saying, that will be very positive for the economy and for company earnings. Paul, Trump's come up against problems with everything he's tried to do. I mean, f- from my point of view, I was thrilled about one thing, that he, he came in and he said, we are going to create tax cuts and we are going to try and stimulate the economy. I mean, why, should, is, it, is it likely he's going to run into problems with this uh, proposal? It looks like it's the most promising one he's come up with so far because I think everyone wants it. Most people want it. The consumer wants it. The businesses want it. The um, I, I can't imagine many politicians going against it. Obviously, the questions about you know how it's going to affect the revenue side of things. But I think the country on the whole wants this, so I think they're going to back him. Paul, you mentioned, and this is a good email from Alvin in Durban. He says, "Why weren't interest rates reduced?" The statement put out by the governor over the years that if inflation falls within the government band of three to six percent, then interest rates should be reduced. And if it's above the above these levels, then interest rates will be increased, as we've seen when inflation was higher than the government target band. So. I was convinced that, I mean, you know, if you think about, people don't realize that the working class of South Africa, the lower income groups, have a lot of debt. You can't buy a house. You can't buy a car for cash. You just don't have that money. So you've got to borrow. I worked out that that quarter percent cut would have put bread and maize on a lower income table for a month. Yeah. It was such so, a yellow so, I mean, decision. quarter percent doesn't sound oh. a lot. People don't realize. It what is so the impact? disappointing. It was the, it was the most puzzling decision I've seen from a reserve bank for a long, long time. It made absolutely no sense. Yeah, you have an economy 
on his haunches, desperate for any little bit of help. And he had every reason to cut because of the lower inflation. The rand was quite reasonable. All this nonsense about uh, not cutting. A f In fact, if he had cut, it would have helped the rand because with emerging markets, cutting means you're actually giving your economy a little bit of a boost. It's, it's not like in the developed markets. You cut interest rates and their currencies get a bit hurt because they move to another currency. That is, emerging markets the other way around. It was a huge mistake and a massive opportunity lost. Very disappointing. Yeah, it was. And, and, and Paul, I mean, when you think about it now, uh, th there's obviously more to the governor's thinking in regards to the span between, because he said, you know, in 18 months, time that maybe interest be with all these things happening, inflation will start to rear its head again. But he should have said 18 months ago that I'm reducing interest rates because I see that, inter that, that over the next 18 months, nah, we're going to get back into that target. Too much waffle. Yeah, should have just done it. Just helped a little bit, help the country. We need every bit of help we can get. And that was the one way to do it. Yeah. Then I've got an anonymous call that says, I read Standard, obviously, I read Standard Bank's weekly update in one recently, and you've sent out a very good newsletter once a week. You commented that the number of bullish U.S. investment advisors declined for the fourth consecutive week to 48%. Further on, you said that a reading below 39 is bullish. Why bullish? Shouldn't it be negative? <laughs> yeah, it's a reverse <laughs> indicator. So the lower it goes, the, m the more likely that people are sitting on cash. Yeah, you know, the financial advisor is saying, be careful, markets are eaten. Do you know, we don't want to put our, we yeah. don't want to give you the wrong advice. We'd rather be more cautious. Yeah. Sit on cash. Is that what it's Correct. saying? Correct. So, so they're building up cash reserves because they, they think it's not a good time to be investing. Like, at the moment, they're actually getting quite bullish. So that's a sign that they've actually invested spare cash. And that's... That's a contraindicator. It's a very sign. So we're actually seeing the financial advisors, and this is not the first time in the last seven or eight years that they've been negative. I mean, some no. of those financial advisors have probably been advising people to sit on cash and wait and see what happens over the last five to six years and miss this fantastic uh, run on international markets. No, absolutely. But, you know, so far the sentiment has been uh, quite bullish of late, but it hasn't stopped the markets hitting record high again tonight, Friday, Thursday, and not bounding ahead, just going up little bits, quarter of a point, half a point. So it's, it's a quiet bull market at the moment. And Dave in both of you says, what do you think are important things to consider when investing offshore? I mean, you've got to have time on your side. Asset allocation. Yeah. Asset allocation. Which, how much will you put in equities, bonds, cash, listed property, etc., that type of thing. And, you know, which currencies are you going to choose, although that usually comes with the territory that you're, the shares you're investing in, the bonds and so on. So re it really comes down to what asset allocation are you going to use? And I mean, what will you use for your equities? Will you use a global equity fund? Will you use an emerging market fund? Or are you going to pick specific countries? But Paul, because, Paul, if you think about over, over, over recent time, I mean, currencies have played a big part. I mean, you know, you invest in global companies. Some of those companies invest in the UK stock market, some the European, some the US. And with the plain currencies, as you say, with Brexit having an impact on falling p pound prices, I mean, when you convert, depending what currency you're converting to, I mean, if you, if you, if you, you value your currency in pounds, and you've got 70% in dollars. You've had an enormous swing just in currencies. Exactly, yeah. But, Paul, if you're looking for income, then, I mean, this is as good a place to be. Mm. I mean, you're not going to get this sort of income. It's not much income. Yeah. You're looking at 2%, maybe, yeah. if you're lucky. And money market's still clo uh, very little. So let's just talk quickly about our property shares and preference shares. 
I mean, I don't understand our preferences. We had interest rates come off and preferences came off. But when I look at the interest yields on preferences, they're yielding over 10% and we've got lower interest now. Yeah, I suppose the, ex- the tax is going up. What is it now? 20% tax on dividends. Is that right? On dividends, yeah. So that's... Net eight. Yeah, that's been, uh, you know, counting against preference shares because of that. It's been going but up. But if you look at interest... And you're paying tax at 41 or 45 percent. Still attractive, yeah. I mean, you're getting what three and a half to four percent. Because I mean, I looked at rates today. Rates have certainly come off. I mean, long-term five-year rates around about seven, seven and a half percent. And if you buy income plans from insurance companies, less than six percent. Yeah. And 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 property shares, Paul. They they're up about eight percent so far this year, total return, which is pretty good for nine months of the year. So they haven't been doing badly at all. And you know the. Uh, they, they're ticking along quite nicely, especially the ones investing in Eastern Europe. Those are doing particularly well because you know, econ- those economies are so much stronger, and uh, Hungary, Poland, and so on. So uh, those have been the best ones for increases in dividends so far in the last year or two. Quick email from Susan and Schlange, because everyone asks me this all the time. I have to buy current currency for a trip that is planned in December to the UK or USA. Should I buy now or wait? Well, by at least half now. Yeah, because who knows where the currency will be in December. Yeah. Well, although all the, sh- all the all share index of the Jays is close to its all-time high, it's important to realise that this will probably not reflect in your own growth portfolios. Our market has been driven by the weighting of a few shares, such as NASPERS, Richmond, British Tobacco, as Paul mentioned, Anglos and Brit Billiton recently. For this reason, the index is very misleading, as most investor houses would be underweight these shares and would be holding many of the underperforming stocks, which include industrial, retail, some financials, and healthcare. It emphasizes, once again, that investors need patience. These underperforming companies who still have top management, running good business, and as any good chief executive will say to their board of directors, we can only run the businesses and cannot concern ourselves with the share price. Continue to do the things we are good at, and ultimately both earnings and dividends of our companies will reflect in the long-term term of our share. My best advice to investors is as long as you understand your investment strategy, do not chase all the high flyers and just continue to be patient. Paul, thank you for joining me this evening. It's important to note our program is to provide information and should be not construed as advice. Next week's program will once again be focusing on estate planning. If you need to get hold of me, my details will appear on the screen. Thanks for watching. Good night.